show yeah exactly or within a day of valentine's day yeah yeah did you hear the oyster debacle Ooh, give me <laughs> it a, did it turn into it a was, debacle no it wasn't at all so, give me a good story so last week i was just like end of the day i was after studying just going through my phone yeah and i got an email from ryan mcpherson yeah at clinton point and it was like do something different for valentine's day get oysters and so I was like, all right, cool, yeah. Like, I'll do oysters. What a great, yeah. Like, like, great marketing. All in. I'm like, yeah, cool. Like, yeah, I would love to support. A buddy. But, like, and Ryan's a buddy of mine, too. But, like, yeah. Like, heck, yeah. I'll do 50 oysters or whatever. And so it was, like, an easy point of sale, like Shopify. Yeah. And I have a Shopify account. I was like, all right, cool, done. And then I Isn't it great, by the way, when, like, 12 seconds later, like an yeah. idea becomes reality. You just have to wait for it. Yeah. Keep going. So it's like, pick your shipment. If you want to, they only ship out on Thursdays. So the next day it was like, your package is ready. And there's like billing address, Corey Gamble. And I was like, wait a second. That's weird. And I was like, oh boy. Let's run with it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, because I had used his to get the Howler Brothers shirts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, Corey, I think you just got... Sarah and I some oysters for Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And I, that's what I woke up to, and I just laughed, and I looked right at my, uh, you know, yeah, I was like, yep, it was. You know? <laughs> it's great, though. Easy enough, yeah. Yeah. So speaking of, uh, it seems like a good marketing effort. Another good marketing effort came from, there's a crew of guys we play hockey with, uh, and there's like 26 of us in this text chain hoping to get 18 guys to skate every Wednesday. And uh, one of our buddies... Uh, does his wife it does all this beauty type stuff so he sends out to this list of 26 guys uh, hey guys if you're looking for an idea for valentine's day my wife does facials <laughs> <laughs> very thoughtful of him to send it to and us it was, but and trying to promote his wife who does a really good job so i hear but it but it wasn't just like in a text line my wife does facials but it was like this like image of like you know, like Valentine's Day facial, like it was so. It was just like easy. It was so fun for the There's next no twenty-four hours. Of that one. Nope. Know? Yep. You're in. Yeah. <laughs> but it was that was a great one. That was good. <clears throat> yeah. Entertainment. <laughs> Very good entertainment. Um, I have kind of want to been talking about like. So you see, across the way, they did the redid the cat nine tails or whatever. Got rid of them. Yes. Like. Any plans to do back here? We're at the shop, by the way. Yeah, yeah taking the tackle shop. You can see right down to the water if you get to the street. Yeah. I haven't heard of anything. Because, like, I feel like that'd be such a great idea for, like, across from, like, the Life Saving Museum. Like, all those marshes in there. So it's a good question of what, um, like, like, why did they do it? Did they do it for view enhancement? Did they do it for an ecological reason? Like, yeah. why they cut down those? I, I mean, I, I got to say, it's got to be able to absorb some of the, 
the water we get on the high tides, you know, like you think about there definitely sea level rise, but we used to be able to absorb a lot more water yeah. as an island. Um, and so our, like, is it, there was talk years ago about just doing the ponds and stuff like that. Like the North head of hummock. Yeah. Um, so my experience in wetlands is they will never invade a wetland unless there is a really positive environmental reason. Yeah. They will never do it for view reasons. They will never do it for neighbor reasons. It, it has to be like an extremely extenuating circumstance. Yeah. So something, to, I have no idea why they did it. It does look awesome, but that makes perfect I, sense. Yeah. And it's only going to help like the filtration of the water too. Like, yeah, which is a big that, thing they're doing. Like you guys probably know, like down by the down by Sail Seafood and Great Harbor, mm-hmm. um, and they're doing it over on Monomoy. They're building basically like marine buffer type concept. They're doing a couple of them, you know, to to help out with mm-hmm. when it comes up the absorption of um, a lot of the stuff. So, but this it's a little first step towards seawater rising. But yeah. this would be cool back here because this this whole watershed behind the shop off of Orange Street. Is all directly connected back to my comet pond. Yeah, exactly. And then, know, but it's got to be connected here too. Yeah, it's an outflow course. here. Yeah. Right. This would be actually really cool to, to do like a little hike from you know my comet all the way down and just to see the flow of this. Yeah. There's a rumor that actually uh, one of the old locomotives is buried in this wetland right really? here. Uh, Probably need a helicopter to get it out, but be cool just to discover it. <laughs> yeah. So just those who, just to fill everybody, we are in the shop. Um, the shop is on Orange Street, so that's kind of what we're talking about, the area between uh, the creeks and the harbor back up Orange Street. Um, and it, believe it or not, if you just look at a, a map of Nantucket, you'll see it. It's a pretty easy flow right to Mayakama Pond from here. Speaking of Mayakama yeah. Pond, have you done any pond fishing? Because I haven't done any since no, like November. No, but it was cool. We talked to Billy T at the hockey game. Yeah. And he's been crushing some fish. Yeah. Because it... He started talking about dredging, mm-hmm. like he thinks that it definitely needs to be dredged. You talking about my comment? Yeah. Well, like it's on the docket, way. isn't it? Uh, I think it's on the docket to be discussed, and I think that it's been proposed. The budget hasn't been approved, uh, but I could be wrong there. Yeah, I thought I was under the understanding that it's setting a date was the one thing that was sort of left, and. Um, but a lot of vague information, as we know, exists. It seems like there. that's what we're providing everyone so far is no good information, just all rumors. Yeah, but there is to the pond fishing. You know, yeah. there's been a, I haven't done it, which it should, but with all these warm days, the fish have been biting. You know, what's interesting is all the water on island right now is really high. And so it's, uh, the fish have been pushing different areas a little bit more than they have been in the last year and a half when the water's been low. Yeah. So, I mean, we've had so much rain. And with, to your point, absorption, like we always talk about, the spring, how water levels go down, and a lot of it is based on sometimes like Hummock Pond being opened, mm-hmm. and that certainly has an effect. But the biggest factor in all of these wetlands coming down is as soon as that grass turns green, means it's sucking up water again, mm-hmm. and the root systems and everything take that high water level and bring it down to a normalized rate. Yeah. So nothing really can happen. Um, to talk Nantucket fishing for a little bit, it was pretty cool. So Tammy King. Yep. who's a beach guide on Nantucket, uh, and she's been awesome. Um, she's just been a, she's born and raised in Nantucket. She's fished her whole life. St. Croix rep. Um, Fish Girl, I think, is what her business is. Act Fish Girl. Act Fish Girl. But she just does an awesome job. She, um, and she's gotten into guiding um, in the last couple of years. 
Um, she did a show for On the Water yeah. last year, um, which was awesome. Really, really cool. Uh, and then actually it aired this Sunday on NBC. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, so she was, she was pretty excited about it. You know, it's pretty cool when you do something you love and it gains the interest of others. And it not only just goes on a local show, but now it goes on you know, NBC. Yeah. You know, to, so congratulations to Tammy on that one. And it's the, it's the exact right time. And I'm sure you could, if you haven't seen it, just you can go find it. It's um, on, I believe it's on YouTube. At least like her snippet. Yeah, her That's snippet is. Idea. But you can go watch the whole thing on On the Water if you just yeah. dig through the archives. And it's worth it. It's about her Albie fishing. Um, and, you know, on there there's days where she gets sealed. There's days where they have three on. You know, she puts some energy into it. And it, it's they hit it well. They got a, they got a really good show out of it. Uh, what else do I have? Oh. <clears throat> oh, I had asked Corey this, and I was listening to another podcast, but what do you think? You could get a pretty good turnout if you did, like, a fly tying night at the Anglers Club. I think you can get an okay turnout. I think that we have a lot fewer people, like, in... I think you would need, like... I think the Angus Club would need to probably buy 20 vices. Yeah. Need to buy all the materials and have to have like four or five really patient people to walk through mm-hmm. the steps of tying clouses and whatnot. You, have to, you know what I think you could actually, to turn the conversation a little bit, what they could do, which is really cool, is get Nick Whitbeck, who does Island X Lures, mm-hmm. to do a like a lure painting. You know, So I just bought an airbrush gun mm-hmm. and you know, because we bought all those old lures last year. Don't get me started, but I've got a lot of old junk lures I own now that need to get painted. And I've told a handful of people that I'm painting lures now, like old lures, and they're like, oh, that's so cool. So I, it could be a kind of a, that could be another way of doing it is, is... I was just thinking just a social event. Like, I'm, I don't know anything about tying flies, and I don't know if I'd want to go, like, sit down and tie fly. Not, I think it'd I'm be... not against it, but, like, if you pay 30 bucks or something like that to learn how to tie this one fly... Like Patty McAvoy and stuff like that. Yep. Like they're into it. And then you get all the materials and a beer or something like that. I think it'd be super cool. I, I, I The way you put it, I'm all in and I think it would be a hit. Yeah. The way I thought you were going is like Joe Pro tie guy. Like yeah. let's compare our six tie, our flies that we just tied. And it's like we don't have that culture no. here. Um, what I might say is do that. I think you could probably do this like once a week and you, for the next like six weeks Maybe have a night of bringing in and not painting, but refurbishing old lures. Just mm-hmm. like if the tackle shop donated 500 hooks and we have swivels and like, hey, let's bring these things back to life. Because there's no point in letting them sit in your basement just because you didn't take care of them and the hooks have now rusted. Because yeah. the plastic frame or the wooden frame is probably still really good. Maybe you re-glue in a lip for an old Danny boy or like... like inline singles. I mean... Yeah, switch out troubles for the singles. Yeah. It's actually that, that's another good one. That would that'd be a great idea is to lure appreciation night or something like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, along those lines, I was on the ferry with Jay Starler a week or two ago. He had an awesome idea, which I haven't followed up on. So now is the accountability. So <laughs> the fact that I'm saying it, Jay, uh, means that we should probably do it, is having a yard sale uh, for all... For anyone, but uh, basically sign up and you can get a table. Mm-hmm. And you can even have proceeds benefit Boys and Girls Club. But uh, start with the charter guys, but all the active surf guys to sell old gear. Mm-hmm. 
meaning like Jay's got like way too many lines that he knows what to do with. He's got old hoochies. He's got just stuff that he's never going to use again yeah. and see if he can't repurpose it for others in the community use. Yeah. And he was telling me this. I'm all into it. He's like, wait, won't that cannibalize your stuff? And I'm like, we don't care. Like, we just want people fishing is the yeah. truth of it. And I think it's hitting a different demographic that will buy it. And I think in the end, I don't think people are looking to profit off of it. So you might make some money for the Boys and Girls Club and people get some cash. I, there I think the angle is the most appropriate, right? It's like if, if everyone's – because Jay's motivation, I can just about guarantee, is not to put money into his bank account, but to get stuff out of his basement. And I not, guarantee is 42 life jackets <laughs> down there. Yeah, and, and not to have it go to the dump. Like So he wants to see it reused. And then put a price tag on it. Everything goes to – Charity of your choice. You could even you come up with a way of who chooses the charity. Yeah. And then, you know, the goodwill of, of the shop is that you're hosting it. And hopefully that's one thing that's great about this island is people recognize when you do something for the community, then they want to come afterwards and support you. So we might lose on some rod sales because people are buying used rods from other fishermen. But it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter because you're just doing the right thing in the community. Yeah. So we talked about getting like six rate charter guys to then spread the word, do it in the parking lot of the rink. And it's just awesome. kind of a big open venue, call yeah. a food truck or two, maybe do some clam bellies and like just have a cool Saturday afternoon of it in the spring where yeah. you're more, you're as much talking fishing as well as getting rid of gear. So yeah, that's the accountability report. Now we got to put it into action. So Cam, this is... I forgot about it until right now, Jay. <laughs> so this could have gone and your basement would have been full. But Well, they do all this stuff um, with ski swaps at the beginning of the season, which is really? pretty cool. Yeah, very um, similar. And again doesn't matter how anybody makes money out of it, but it is it works in seasonal communities like this to do that. And you could also offload old stuff. You know, you look around and lures it, you know, we can take it out of package and dump it if we're never going to use it again because it just gets it moving, gets it out there. You have to, I would say you have to have like a, don't have to, but like a suggested price. Oh, yeah. It's like how many hoochies like are going to be for sale. Yeah, if you look around <laughs> everyone. Yeah. And somebody's like, ah, oh, three bucks, and they sell out of three bucks, and the next. <laughs> well, it's interesting. So we, that'd be a good one, Chris. Because <laughs> I would like to actually keep that where there isn't any suggested price. Yeah. You wall up between the tables, and you see what people think the value of everything is. That's all. You know, Mark selling these for a dollar fifty. Two tables down. Yeah. <laughs> Create a true marketplace. <laughs> it is interesting. I, and I wonder if you talk to these guys, if they want to make money or if they want to donate or they can make their choice, whatever they want, you know? Yeah. I think in the end, if you're going to sit there for the afternoon, it's nice to bring home a couple hundred bucks, but maybe you, the table fee is a hundred bucks and then you donate that to Boys and Girls Club. We'll come up with a model. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's not to make anyone rich. It's just to kind of... Cover your basis. It's a good idea. So Bill, Billy, um, who obviously fishes with us, you know, I get a note from him. I'm on the water, you know, I think it's September last year. And he goes, there's a tag sale with all these fishing lures over there. And, you know, somewhere. He goes, you want me to go look at it? Sure. Like, Billy had a broken back all last summer. wasn't fishing. And I was just like, sure. He comes back and goes, should I buy stuff? And I'm like, up to you. So Billy ended up buying everything. <laughs> that was on this guy's table. And I think the guy, he'd done this a couple years ago where he, yeah. this guy had collected, it wasn't just his old lures, but he collected lures that he found on the beach. He does a lot of walking with his dog. And he collected five, 600 lures. And Billy made him offer on all the lures. And now these are the lures I'm kind of stuck with to put together for the for next year. And, oh, it'll be and, fun. And I went through 
probably 200 of the swimming type plugs this weekend. And honestly, there's a bunch of really fun lures in there. You know, there's a bunch of lures that are ho-hum. It's only a few that are true junk, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like most of them are usable. Some is like, I don't, there's certain lures I don't use as much anymore that we got. Um, were there any that were definitely ours? No, but there were some that were definitely Molesco's, you know? <laughs> um, but there are definitely some that could have been. Like, um, you know, there was a bunch of, you know, I'm, I use a lot of the um, SPs, SP minnows, those greenback, the macroback, and there was like half a dozen of those. But there's no way to know. But there was definitely some of the, uh, the lightnings that the Molesco's use. Yeah. Um, and they were worn nicely. You could tell that they'd been beaten on the bottom a little bit. Which is interesting. What do you? What would you say the lure you lose the most, aside from like your bluefish lure? Like, is there one? Yeah, some. I mean, it's got to be <clears throat> subsurface, so it's got to be probably like I've I've moved a lot to that SP minnow. I'm a big fan of it, mm-hmm. um, and then I will rehook them, you know, with those inlines, um, and they do swim well with the inlines. Um, sometimes the front hook all. I'll cheat and I'll just clip them as opposed to like switch it out. Uh, that's probably the lure I use most, lose most probably because that's the lure I use most subsurface. You don't yeah. lose a lot of lures on the surface unless you're in a bluefish blitz. Yeah. I would say back in the day, I've kind of improved my strategy a lot of times. Like if you're having a more difficult albie bite, now I realize that albie will just eat anything. <laughs> but back in the day, I used to like, Oh, go leaderless. And then, yeah. so I would say the deadly dick back in the day, just because it was like you were trying to fine tune your approach when there were fewer fish and fewer bites, and yeah. you wanted to try and nail it. And I'll, and usually with the hype of an Albie Blitz, you just snap it really quickly, and maybe there's a nick in it. And like, so I think probably historically it's been the deadly dick. Yeah. I mean, that's like the, that used to be the go to for the only thing pretty much you could use. Okay, so let me, and let we me still ask. we still sell a ton of those. Yeah. I mean, that's I'd say if, that probably is our n- our number one seller is that number two green deadly. Mm-hmm. Um, at number three is getting just as popular with this size. Sure, yeah, it's, Cameron's right. So it's at number two or number three green deadly is still probably the number one lure we sell. Although like the Island X lures are um, you know taken off, especially from the Albi standpoint. But they're just the thing about those that type of lure that people is what works yeah is like when you think about the simple stick design you know which is like hoagie redid the the Mar- it was it used to be a maria right yes yep i remember using those back in the day yeah let me ask you a question from a charter perspective this is a little bit of a hypothetical we look around we've probably got i'm probably looking at a couple thousand lures in the shop right now there's carryovers from the winter and you know we probably have quantities of eight, 10, 12, uh, so tons of different SKUs. I'm gonna offer you every single lure in this shop for next season. And it's at a finite amount, right? Like when you go through these deadly dicks, you're done with them. When you go through the SP minnows, you're done with them. Or four lures of unlimited quantity. Four lures unlimited. I, I don't like, I'm over, and this is one of the reasons like is it fun to have all these lures that Billy got us? Yeah, it's fun. Is it going to cost me hours upon hours of painting and rehooking in it? Yeah, you know, it's fine. I like, if you look at my boxes, I just like certain lures. And that's kind of who I am. Like, I don't find, there's a rare, rare situation where 
Uh, I'm going to try this color in a size a little bit smaller. So no, I would take the four unlimited, hands down. I think in order to make the all the lures worth it, like as soon as you catch a fish on it, you have to change it. Yeah. I just so wonder, if, you, if we do four, we're talking about probably a deadly dick or an epoxy. Yeah. Uh, a swimmer of sorts. Has to be one of those, yeah. Uh, we'll figure out whether it's like a bigger bomber that's got a higher profile or a smaller like SP Minnow. Then we're probably, we got to do a soft bait. Yep. Uh, if we're going unlimited, because who cares if bluefish bite through it. And then a pencil popper. And then a pencil popper. Does that leave you with situations where you feel as though you just can't catch a fish? So you, where you'd be limited if you do that is and the, the deadly could do it, but it'd be a pain in the neck because if you want to drop down to black sea bass, right? Yeah. Because it's getting the spot with black sea bass, you want to have that three and a half. So now you're not bottom months. fishing for the season. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like, I'm out. You're not going offshore for the season. I mean, you can on some of that stuff. Yeah. Troll it. Yeah, you can troll it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, when you start throwing, like, yes, you're right. When you start throwing, like, the offshore, you get into it. I just don't think it's as cut and dry as, like, you always jump to an answer, and then when you look at both sides, you're like, ah, oh, fuck, I do wish I could have uh, a little bigger swimming plug, considering how hard this rip's moving today. Yeah. Well, and if you don't, if you get only a big swimming plug, and then you're targeting Bonita and smaller stuff, and, like, everyone around you getting, like, eh. No, like, the soft bait will always work for that. So, like, I do think the four will get you... 90% of the fish or 95% of the fish. But do you need that like technical for those couple random days where you're like, fuck, I so, just need something else. So another way to answer your question or to just put some, like, so, like I used to, flies, clouser is like the go-to northeast. You know, what clouser, what color are you going to use? Bright, chartreuse, you know. You know, why do you use a different color? But clouser, 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 it works. I found myself using a clouser less and less and less and less. And I'm finding that like, I do like to go for the more creative flies now. Um, and I'm actually finding like more success with it um, than just the standard clouser. And so like I just ordered our flies for the season and I ordered a bunch of clousers, don't get me wrong, but boy, did I go a lot more creative. And I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, and. I think it's going to be like a chance to get, uh, it'll sell the customer more. But when you see these flies in the water, and this is one of the things, like I've started moving with my flies less down the four fly territory, which is what I used to do, use this squid pattern. Now I'm starting to go like, oh, that's an awesome looking fly. Mm -hmm. And you have success with it and you just get so excited about it. So it's another way of, you know. It's a good question though. Yeah. So like back to lures, like, you know, like a, a bomber, we used to order hundreds, I mean, grosses of uh, Pearl Magnum and then the Pearl 16. Yeah. I think our order for each of those this year was less than 100, which just goes to show you trends. People are fishing less of that type of lure. What I can tell you, though, is the fish will still chew on that lure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they absolutely. <laughs> like, oh, and I'm not knocking. Like, I remember starting, like, Bonita fishing. All we ever used was... Pearl Bombers. And then you had to use your Azuris. It's like, well, why wouldn't a Pearl Bomber work? Then you use SP Minnow. Well, why wouldn't a Azuri work or a Pearl Bomber work? It's but, like, come on. Like, just go back to the basics. Like, they all work. They all it's work. Like cedar plugs and green machine. It's yeah. it. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what's the driver of a lot of this? Is the uh, 
is the rods we're using and the castability of the lures, right? So you cast a bomber and you cast it however far you cast it, you're like, that was just a crap cast. Like no one likes the cast, even though you might not need to cast it very far. And then you throw like a Yuzuri long cast, which Chris loves, yeah. like, or you throw uh, SP, which I love, and you cast it twice as far, one and a half times as far. And you're like, yeah, those are the ones I'm going to use from here on out. So I think it comes down to less what's going to catch fish, but more what casts well in the rods that you're uh, using. When your dad, Dave Bell, brought the green machines and the cedars out white marlin fishing, I got so excited. Like, I don't know. It was like nostalgia. It's like like growing up maybe and seeing like, I don't know, garbage pail kids again. You know, like you yeah. see something that brings you back to another point in your life. Like, I remember like growing up fishing offshore with Josh Eldridge. All, that's all we would use. Mm -hmm. And I saw that. I'm like, I haven't used those in years. This is so Every single offshore person should always fish a cedar plug. Always. Yeah. You should, like, it doesn't change your spread in the slightest. All you need to do to fish a cedar plug is to have an extra rod holder. Yeah. It doesn't affect the lines. It won't tangle the darn thing. It's 10 feet off the back of the boat. Yeah. And if you have anybody on the boat who's any level of ADD, tell them to watch that. <laughs> and it is the single most entertaining thing in the world. I did that. Probably the best hit I've ever, I've seen a lot of great hits. I remember I was actually kind of hung over and I was offshore. And so I was standing in the back corner and we had an elaborate spread out. This is probably 12, 14 years ago. And I'm just watching that cedar plug and I'll, go, I'll try and describe it, but they don't go straight. They just sort of like, they, they do this weird, just sort of wobble in the water. If you put them kind of behind the motors off to one side. And then I saw four fish come up. I'm just looking at it. Four fish in like a four or five minute period just come up and like swipe at it and miss it. And I'm like, what's going on here? And then the, 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 the last one got it. And you're just sitting there like, but they're just under the water. It's in the wash. It's hard to see. That thing just attracts fish. You know, and the number of times I'll go back and I'll just watch the, the cedar. Like everybody, I don't care what bars you want to throw. The side trackers are cool. You know, there's so much cool offshore stuff. Just put a couple cedars back there, you know? Right? Oh, yeah. I love them. It's like, and they're easy. You don't need... Like, they're easy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing, too, like that I used to do down south when I did more offshore, which I obviously don't do much anymore. It's like, you put two of those, just two two big swimming lures, like a Yazuri Magnum yeah. or a Rapex Magnum. Put two of them back there, you know, just drag them behind, and then you put one cedar plug right behind the motors, and you drive around for an hour. If there's a fish there, you're going to catch it. Right? Yeah. You know, if you see a swimming plug doing a rattle and there's a fish around it. Yeah, 90% of it is just getting it in front of the fish's eye. Yeah. So. What do you got there? Uh, I am looking at some uh, basically bucktails, like uh, pork rinds. Pork rinds. Um, we actually sold a bunch of those this year. A lot of people were using those on um, the With fluke. Yeah, on the fluke. Okay. Yeah, yeah they're. The fluke is, I mean, such an interesting one around here, you know, that fluke bite. You know. It's something that we don't do enough of. Billy does. Like, I'll probably go two or three times a year. It is, I just, it's so cool that people travel hundreds of miles. Like, that's no exaggeration. From, like, Long Island out to here. Sixties of miles from the Cape is a regular process. Big charter boats coming from the Cape. And the Helen H is living down there for two and a half, three weeks. And 
we barely even touch it. Like it's it's an unbelievable fishery that we don't access enough. But I get it too. Like to me, I couldn't do it every day, but to do it occasionally is fun. So I talked to I was talking to Chris about this before. I think he even showed up camp. Um, so I talked to the guys at Jigging World this morning who make an unbelievable jigging rod, and um, and it was first thought the first conversation was great. Like I'm calling, you know, and I explained that I'm on a tackle shop on Nantucket and a guide out here, and they're like the Nantucket. I said yes. You're like not like. You know, fishing in Nantucket, you're you're on the island, and I'm like, yeah, it's not like that small an island. Like, no, just everyone talks about oh, they're they're going to fish Nantucket, but and I was like, yes, I'm on the island. He goes, oh, let me pass you over to Mike, <laughs> and so it's immediately like I just blew right through the filter, um, and he and I had just a great conversation because he was surprised because uh, he's got rods at. The other shop and uh and took a tackle center and he's like I, the sell-through rate isn't as great as he thought where it's better over on the cape and i said you just got to understand the mindset of nantucket fishermen probably a little bit too much like us where we're focused on striped bass surface feeds we're on on really the uh the visual aspect of fishing as opposed to the meat side of fishing mm-hmm. and there's still a lot of people like if you're targeting the bottom you're probably a little more focused on the meat now it is fun don't get me wrong to get them that way, but you're focused on the meat. And our fishermen don't really care about the catch and keep concept. They're more the catch and release concept. Um, he's like, that's actually a really, really good point. Um, and I said, it's really our local population that is the catch and keep, one of the ones who are into this sort of fishing. Mm-hmm. And it was just a great conversation to like most of the people, and we probably trained them. I mean, these guys we fish with all the time. certainly trained them. We've trained them, go out, you know, here's where the fish are, find an edge catch them, take a picture, pretty, release them, tell your friends about it, as opposed to go out, get the meat, bring it in, fillet it. Um, and again, so yeah, so that is, I think, a big reason why we don't. I know I don't go out there a lot. It's a longer ride on a charter. Um, it's, uh, it's not as exciting, in my opinion, as the surface feeds. So. Um, I did one fluke trip. Billy was like, ah, maybe I can make it. And I was like, you better make it. Like, I'm going to do everything I can to help you out. But I'm like, and then sure enough, we were like stopped at a couple spots. And I'm like, Bill, like, if that was me, second spot, like, I would have been sweating bricks. Just like, I don't know where to go from here. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's why bottom fishing is for friends. <laughs> yeah. Right? And they, like. And those guys are dialed. Was, was friends, like, but it was just like. Yeah. And those guys, the, the, it's like bottom fishing is very, very, very location specific. Yeah. Like you understand, I mean, you can get lucky and go over a swath and, you know, but luck is luck, you know. If you really want to get dialed in, you understand the humps, you understand the divots, you understand these spots and somebody can hand you a coordinate, that sounds great. But if they've handed it to you, they hand it to seven other people, yeah. right? And it's about finding your own little spots out there. And, you know, then you might go follow the Helen H round because it's out there. Well, they don't like that A and B. They're just wiping the bottom around them. Mm-hmm. And those guys are good fishermen because they put 30 years into understanding the bottom. Same thing, you put, us, you put me on Rosencrown. I can find where the fish are there better than 99% of other people. In the fog. Yeah. Then you put, then you do it in the fluke grounds, you know, you're sitting there, thumb up the backside going, what's going on? Chasing your own tail. Yeah. So, 
Um, and uh, we should mention a congratulations goes to Chris. Uh, just oh to- yeah, woo, yeah, woo, crowd goes well. Yeah. So even though we've called Chris Captain Chris for years, because he is Captain Chris, and that's he's earned the right to be called Captain Chris. You just completed your licensure to be chief mate. Chief mate. Unlimited tonnage, any oceans. Any, wow. any oceans, any, you said unlimited tonnage. Yeah. So you could legally, you can go be a chief mate on a rowboat, mm-hmm. right? You can be a chief mate on a ferry, mm-hmm. on an oil tanker. Sure. Which he's been on an oil <laughs> tanker for years. You could go on an, not an aircraft carrier, but if like a private person bought an aircraft yeah. carrier, you can do anything. I wonder if anybody would want to do that because that's a. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> An aircraft carrier? Yeah, buy it. I mean, that people, sounds awesome. People buy fighter jets, but yeah, have a personal I, aircraft I, carrier. I own an aircraft carrier. It'll happen anywhere. It's on Nantucket. <laughs> that would be so. so you're cool. a chief mate, and you have a dog named Chief, and you got a mate at home with Sarah. We yeah, got this chief's one. Yeah, and the wow, look at that. But you also the correct statement. Correct my statement, please. But you don't have to ever take another test in this regard again. This, uh, this pretty much, unless I want to go like localized, like. Piloting, piloting stuff yeah. like that. Then you have to draw the test or draw the chart, and like have a bunch of local knowledge tests. Which is like great, that. you know. Yeah. But like you, you go on get a chief mate job on a boat, and then three years later, if when you're applying to become a captain, there's no additional testing that has Correct. to happen. Correct. You just send in your sea time and. Yeah. So it's about getting the sea time to become con- a captain. Congratulations. That's so awesome. It's a lot of work. Well, because it's also now there's a lot of work. There's a lot of studying to get there. Yeah. And I'm sure the tests were stressful for themselves. Just, uh, like, at least two weeks of studying, like, wake up, sit down, study. Yeah, you weren't a very good friend in the last two weeks. <laughs> well, he's a pretty good friend, you know? Yeah. 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 I he's a great friend. Uh, and then, as soon as I walked out of there on Friday, like, Did I Did you know right away? Yeah, they grade it right in front of you, which is... They grade it, or is it on a computer? No, it's... Like hand grading, yeah. <laughs> marks with like a red pen, or like going pen. through the scantron. Um, and so like some of the seventy question tests, you have to get a seventy on. So like the first row, you're like, all right, I got less than eight wrong. So I, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm doing good. Yeah. <laughs> like you're like counting her red check marks, and then so my last one is a ten question. It was a chart plot. Yeah. And I had to get 90 on it. And so I kind of do the test out and I circle all the answers on, on the test. And then I go to transfer them over to, we'll call it the Scantron. Yeah. And it was like C, A, 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 eight A's in a row. And then C. And I was like, but you gotta be kidding me. There's <laughs> this, no way this is like, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I like I had stopped myself like halfway through and I'm like, like, all right, let's see if I can like come close to any of these other answers. I'm like, oh well, they'd have to be doing something wrong to get that answer. I'm like, okay, they gotta be doing something like the other way to get that answer. And so I like go to hand it to the proctor and I'm like, it doesn't look right, but uh, I'm done. <laughs> and she's like, What do you mean? It's like, it's a bunch of A's. She's like, well, there is like one of these tests that the answer key does look pretty bad. And she's like, oh, uh, 100. I was like, 
Yes! So it's the greatest form of relief ever. Yeah. So it's funny you say that. So I reminder, I taught for... Um, well done, buddy. That's awesome. I taught for 15 years, and I think it was like three or four years into teaching. I had a class that was just, they're pissing me off. And um, it was test time, and I always did uh, like a multiple choice section, and then I did... Um, you know, free answers, questions, and then mm -hmm. they have the answer. And so I remember one this kind of class was pissing me off, so I did exactly what you just said, which was like 20 answers, and I think I did 16 of them all was like B, and the others like another one, just to play the mind game with them. And it was awesome. Like from a teacher's perspective, it was really enjoyable to put the kids through. And they earned that one, you know, they yeah. earned that. Um, How many passed? I don't remember it on it, but it's like I remember them all complaining, and I'm like, what are you complaining about? I was like, no, it's just random. You know, it's just like, it was, uh, so I, I used that trick in my, uh, you know, in my toolbox a handful of times if needed. You know, it's a fun one to play some, some games on kids, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you a question I haven't asked in a while? Or I don't think I've ever asked you. So Chris has this awesome old Bronco. What year is it? 79. 79, blue and white, very recognizable around the island. But you got it, what, six, seven years ago? Uh, three or four, maybe. Okay, so it just feels longer. But before, Broncos were a thing again. And, like, do you drive around and see all these new Broncos, and you're like, ugh, like, it's a new Bronco? Or are you like, ah, oh, cool, they brought it back? Or, like, what's your emotional connection to new Broncos? Uh, I don't hate them. I, they're growing on me. Um, but I knew cause I had, this is my second Bronco. Yeah. I knew I had to get another one before the new ones came out because it would be much more of an item, I guess. Like I, I really loved my first one, but it just wasn't feasible for me to keep it. Yeah. Just being in college and stuff. Um, I try and think of like a second vehicle. Would I get a new Bronco? Probably. And I'd probably paint it blue and white. Yes. <laughs> See, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. I, I, I think they did a good job with the new Bronco, honestly. Because yeah. it's, like, I look at Jeeps around here the same way. That's like, everyone's got a Jeep, yeah. you know. Um, but when you think about Jeep, it's a really functional car for Nantucket. Yeah. It really is, you know. But I, I wouldn't want to own it because everyone's got it. Yeah. Um, Bronco, I know Jen wanted one originally, and now it's, um, I think she'd still want one. Yeah. It's good. They're good looking cars and they're functional. I agree they're good looking. I think it's one of those cars that I wish was a limited edition. Just because it's cool enough. I think it's cool enough and the brand is cool enough that you wish our market weren't totally flooded with it. Because, yeah. like, every time you drive, you see three, four, five Broncos just everywhere. They're like a Jeep. Yeah, but and so, so I wish it were a little more special. There's not that many four-wheel drive cars on the market when you think about it. Everything yeah. is all-wheel. You're right. Everything's all-wheel drive. So you're either like, if you want to get a great Nantucket beach car, it's not an all-wheel drive. Yeah. Just to be really clear. Can you get away with driving all-wheel drive on the beach? Yes. Should you? No. Absolutely not. You should do four-wheel drive. There's really not that many like... You have to get big SUV in order to get it. Or a Jeep or a Bronco. Yeah. So, or Forerunner. That's the reason I got my Forerunner. It's the only like high clearance. And Forerunners are great. That's a great beach car. And there's a ton of those on the Antarctic. Yeah. You know, so it is. That's sort of true, but it wasn't built to be like something special and new. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, yeah, I'm fine having a commodity car. I mean, I've got my Tacoma. There's plenty of Tacomas out here. There's no Remember like that business idea we thought of just having a Forerunner Tacoma dealership. Yeah. 
Not even a dealership, though. No, I thought like we had a... talked about like a rental service of like more practical cars. No, it was but... just like you through Hyannis Toyota. It's just like you have a parking lot and it's filled with. Maybe I didn't hear this one, but I like this. But it is like not only the two aspects of it, not only are you selling the car here um, and it goes through Hyannis Toyota and you're taking your tiny clip. But it's like you're dealing with the service for them, too. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, it's not hard for you to get your car serviced on the other side, but it's you have to put some thought into it. Yeah, it's easy. You know. Um, and then the, the most recent one, just spending a week off island, was uh, Trader Joe's. So there was conversations about a Trader Joe's coming over here. So what I would do is have it do, like, the... No, not online ordering, but like Instacart or whatever. So like people don't want a grocery store in their backyard or whatever. But if you eliminate that, it's just like oh, only deliveries only. Like how many delivery companies are there on the island? Yeah, it's actually a great idea. Like you could do the, the hillside farm model, right? Yeah. Just for um, Trader Joe's. Yeah. Screw it. Open a store here. <laughs> I mean, Stop and Shop is such a monopoly, yeah. and I actually think they do a fine job. We can't knock them because no. the logistics they go through to get everything. And yeah. when you think about the stuff they have here for all sorts of ethnicities, they do a tremendous job. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't hurt to have a little competition and some diversity in product. I mean, Trader Joe's here would be an immediate success. Yeah. Immediate. It's just, a And you're allowed to do chain stores here. You just you can't be in the, uh, yeah, the historic core. So anywhere like anywhere on Old South that you find a lot big enough. The biggest issue is the size of lots. Mm -hmm. All the commercially zoned lots are five thousand square feet. So it's one of the reasons that Stop and Shot took a ninety-nine year lease on that lot that's next to uh, Boys and Girls Club to stop anyone else from coming in in a mid island section, something gotcha. bigger. Yeah. Uh, but it would be awesome. I'm all in on, on Trader Joe's. So that's a question we should be thinking of: is what would be the Knowing a grocery store is not the answer because they would never sublease it to a grocery store. Yeah. What would be the best thing that could go into that location between Boys and Girls Club and Stop and Shop? Like, what would be, you could answer a lot of different ways. What would be the most fun, you know? Like, what should they do with it? I mean, you could say that they could create the best outdoor obstacle course that anybody's ever seen for minimum money, where it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like paintball guns and like... Mini golf. Could do mini golf. Like mini golf would be cool. I, I still think... The island needs more than anything, and it, maybe it's based on my demographic with kids, a giant open turf field house. Yep. Like just being active 12 months a year, and it's something our athletes need. So anyone from zero... I mean, you, you see these soccer players come... Like, they've got no place to play on certain days, and it's, like, adults that play in these leagues every Sunday all year round. I think that would be awesome, but from a business perspective, no. At some point, some sort of, like, a updated strip mall will go in there, but they're actually kind of crazy to do that because at some point it's bigger than where the current Stop and Shop is. They'll probably build a new Stop and Shop there and get rid of the other one and sell that land. Yeah. So the amount of money they make, they're going to do nothing with that anytime soon. No, and you're. I understand you're right. But logically, there's speaking. so much. But given how the per, per, uh, how close it is to the schools, the boys and girls club, to town, like the center of the island, there's something 
phenomenal that could but be. But you could there. be as simple as uh, I'm not going to go down the turf path, which I wish they would just turf it, but like put grass down there and for the boys and girls and lease it to the boys and girls club yeah. for a, a dollar a year, right? Like be benevolent. You know, that's why I was talking about like the obstacle course because I get to build a building there. But like, if you had this awesome outdoor obstacle course that was fun to do and adult oriented in the evening and kid oriented during the day, I loved the the bubble concept. Like some go kart track. Go kart track would be <laughs> that would be epic. Like, you, like all of a sudden you like okay, and they don't have to write a check. You know, you can you can go raise a million dollars to do something cool with the land. They just have to say you can use it. Get an insurance policy, please. You know, go kart track. But that like would be an epic go kart track. Right? Fairgrounds like, it could, like not the restaurant like fairgrounds like do like carousels. <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> How fun would that be? A giant yeah. arcade there. Yeah. But that's like in the summertime it turns into that. In the wintertime it morphs into this. Like, the killer. Okay. I think we've derailed. <laughs> uh, one question I had was. What's better, a shower beer or blowing your nose in the shower? Oh, wow. Um, a beer in your car on the way home from work. <laughs> Can I well, to answer your question, probably blowing your nose because I would say there are 22 shower beers a year that are fucking phenomenal. But after that, it's like I often shower in the morning or like, you know, it's like those like. How about an outdoor shower beer versus a. Okay, outdoor shower beer. (laughs) You can't beat that. No. In fact, if you go into the outdoor shower without a beer, you should be punished that you can't go in for a week or something. After 5 p.m. especially. Like if you're going in in the evening time. That summer that I lived at Ramos's, I did not shower inside once. I I would say 80% of my showers happen outside. Our older brother who lived down in Connecticut built an outdoor shower and he prides himself from May through the end of October not fit showering inside. <laughs> in Connecticut, you know? It's like You just need a little ledge to put the towel under if it's raining. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't mind doing it in the rain. Just a towel. Yeah, 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 just a towel. But is what like what is the single best first beer? Like not brand, but like the shower beer is awesome, right? Um and I'll say like that beer was it would get off the water is awesome. Yeah. The beers you're driving home is awesome. And yes, I know we're not supposed to, but like that's like those I'd, beers. Like the beers like when we when we did the guys' trips down to the Bahamas when yeah. you all are together for the first I would say time. the beer after a first fish. When yeah. You, and you've like you've worked for it. At least like offshore fishing. Yeah. And sometimes it happens at like six in the morning. But And there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. <laughs> I do. I would prefer the community, but there's every once in a while, you know, when you do something that should be driven by community, when you have that beer in the car by yourself, where you can really bring yourself from like, like a stress in your shoulders of eight to a two with one sip. So like, that's where that drive home car beer. It's just, it changes your outlook when you get home, you know, that's, that's why it is to me. Like I'm, you know, that's, that's mine. Yeah, I will say 90% of the time I like a beer in a can better. But in a shower, I actually like a beer in a bottle better. I can't tell you why. Uh, to circle back to uh, a conversation from last time, uh, I got a lead on a spot uh, in Baja. 
to go rooster fishing and all that. Is that from the podcast? From the podcast. Well, Chris. Okay. Yeah, Chris Roman. We're going to call him Roman. I'm not going after the last name. Um, he was all, he's actually going down. He's fishing the mangroves in March in, okay. um, in, uh, in Florida. He's, he's fired up about it. He, he sent me the info on the guides he's using. They seem like awesome guides. Out of where? Um, he told me. I forget where he's launching in. Keys or? Up, no. Homestead? Uh, could be Homestead, could be Everglades City. I don't know where his launch point is. Uh, I asked him, and he, I, it's in the phone. I just don't remember. Um, but anyway, he was. Um, he's like, are you guys still thinking about doing something cool down in Baja? I'm like, yeah, that's obviously next year because we, we're, we're tapped for this year. And he said, I got it, but we got to get, if you want it, you got to book it in the next six weeks. Oh, really? Uh, I said, yeah, we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. He's like, absolutely. Because, you know, it's like this camp and I are about doing what we're about to do, and six weeks from now it's like we do need to get back to our communal thing you know the other spot that i'll challenge you to put some research into maybe roman can help us with this uh i was looking into granada and i'm super curious about like the grenadines that whole area yeah Uh, you tell me about that well a buddy of mine went and fished what's that shirley temple i love shirley temples those those cherries are phenomenal (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, yeah, the Grenadines are... Was it the Grenadines or was it Trinidad-Tobago? Where was Trinidad-Tobago, but the more I looked into it, that is a very rustic, rural island setting, and which I have no problem with, but the I don't think the guides have fully figured it out in terms of like uh, doing my you. internet research and then talking to a, a friend. It's more like they know it, but they're learning it, whereas the Grenadines hasn't been exploited till this podcast but there's like really great people who people that listen yeah we'll get 70 this time yeah but there's really like good guides that are spending time figuring it out and like uh good accommodations relative to the fishing and like so you could piece together something that might have a little more maturity in the fishing world i would say not even knowing it that would mean probably turning out tobago might be better from like uh like hasn't been discovered standpoint but i think this is still pretty pretty undiscovered so those are two options for next winter (laughs) yes maybe we do once a month both Uh, traveling podcast yeah yeah that'd be good cool uh you went for scalloping tomorrow uh nope i'll go wednesday if you guys go on wednesday i don't like the weather wednesday you're off island yeah so we're yeah well uh, so you and I are in for tomorrow? I'll yeah. greet you with chicken burgers afterwards. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then we're going to go Wednesday. <clears throat> Sounds good. And then you're back for Thursday? or Yeah. Cool. And then Friday looks like it's going to stink. Really? Yeah. But we'll get three days in. Cool. I got a, I got a bunch of guys. Ship back. back to like the oysters. I had three different people who want scallops sent to them for tomorrow night. Which is why I was going to go today. But it was junk today. So. Nothing like day after <laughs> Valentine's Day scallops. <laughs> Everyone wants them. All right. Have a great week. Yeah. Catch you next time. Driving through the night trying to keep my eyes open. The generator's busted and the AC's broken. Talking to the Lord, hope he helps us get there safe. 
Pay my dues, I'm eating, love the road, I'm coming on, 